This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. The last couple of years really have been a struggle for food gi- fast food giant McDonald's. Sales have been down almost every month during that period, year over year. Whether it's the menu that's seen as sometimes too crowded by consumers or the options that are being provided to them, people are just not going to Mickey D's as often as they once did. But now McDonald's trying to make a bit of a change, changing the chicken that they use in their restaurants. They're going to stop the purchase of chicken raised with antibiotics. Dr. Cheryl Davison is Associate Professor of Avian Medicine at PennVet's New Bolton Center. She joins us in the studio along with uh, Jason Reese, who is a visiting assistant uh, visiting assistant professor of marketing here at the Wharton School as well. Great to have you both back here. Uh, I'll start, Cheryl, with you more from the medical standpoint because in terms of the difference uh, in terms of the types of chicken that they have used and what they will use going forward, what realistically, when, when you're a consumer, maybe you don't follow these things, what really is the difference? Yeah, what I'd like to start with is uh, talking about the antibiotics a little bit. Yep. So let's first talk about the antibiotics. Uh, there are antibiotics that are used in human medicine. Mm-hmm. There are antibiotics that are used in veterinary medicine. And we're talking really about uh, uh, antibiotics that are used in food-producing animals. And Many of the antibiotics that we use in food-producing animals are not used in human medicine. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about is that small percentage of medically important or those commonly used in in human medicine. Those are the ones that they're focusing on. So what the FDA did a year and a half or two years ago now, they talked about eliminating those medically important or commonly used antibiotics in poultry for growth promotion, so those low, lower levels of antibiotics, but they still, what we can still use is use them for treatment and for prevention. Mm-hmm. What McDonald's has done is now taken that little extra step there and said, no, we don't want to use those particular antibiotics that are commonly used in human medicine in uh, for prevention and treatment, but we can still go ahead and use other antibiotics for treatment, and that's important right. because we do have bacterial infections and we sure. do have to treat them for the safety uh, and for the food safety, for welfare of the birds, for the health of those birds. So we do need to have those antibiotics. So they've taken that that step. But the poultry industry um, has worked with companies such as McDonald's and other companies over the years and really produced those products that the consumers want. Mm -hmm. So we do have flocks that have been produced for many years, five years or more. Uh, One company indicates they've been doing this for 10 years where no antibiotics are used in the uh, poultry. And um, that's what the consumer wanted. So those companies are very proactive working with these companies Mm -hmm. as their suppliers to make sure they supply the products. And that's evidence if you look in the grocery store. All the products are are in there. You've got organic, you've got the conventional, you've got free range, you've got all these products. So this is something that's not new to the industry, uh, but it's a step that McDonald's took for their consumers, and the industry will meet that that, uh, demand. And realistically, there's, there's, 
no difference in taste of, 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 of between the, the types of chicken that they were talking about here. No difference in taste. No. Yeah. So this is this is really just a, a move for their consumers, which obviously, as we kind of talked about uh, at the top, and Jason, I'll ask you this in a second, is the fact that, you know, they need to make a change. And obviously they, they seem like that they're making a philosophy change to to try and improve uh, their operations for their consumers. That, that's correct. And and we have, again, historically in the poultry industry, have always been proactive working with the companies, working with what consumers want, and and, and have had reduced antibiotics um, in, in poultry. And the other important thing is that, that antibiotics are used under the direction of a veterinarian, and that's the other aspect of this in in uh, the FDA uh, ruling is to go ahead and use it under veterinary direction. Yeah. But we've been doing this for, for years in all various aspects. So the consumers get the products that they want, and the companies can uh, give the products that the consumers wish to have. So then the question becomes, Jason, I mean, this is a, a marketing shift uh, for McDonald's. We talked a little bit at the top. We've talked in the past about uh, the the struggles that McDonald's have. I mean, they're not you know ready to close up shop, nonetheless, but still they're struggling a little bit in terms of their sales. So would this type of a change maybe start to get some people back in the stores that haven't been in McDonald's for quite some time? McDonald's is trying to do a number of things to improve their image. As you say, sales have been down. The most common metric used in the industry for this is same sort, same store sales. Those have been down for a couple of years to the point where McDonald's just got a new CEO, Stephen yep. Easterbrook, I think it is, uh, was heading McDonald's in the U.K., had done a number of initiatives there that were thought to be effective in improving consumer perceptions. And this is his first or one of his very first uh, major actions as CEO since he took over this month or, or last month. Uh, so certainly central in the marketing effort. Well, and he, he obviously does want to try and affect some change. And as you said, he's made some changes over uh, overseas in the, in the UK and over in Europe. But uh, he was quoted as as being calling himself an internal activist. So I, I hear activist and I hear internal means I, I'm reading into that being that more changes are coming. Uh, we may not know exactly what they are right now, but probably we're going to see more in the in the weeks and months to come. Yeah, I think he was quoted as saying that he sees McDonald's as a modern progressive burger and uh, breakfast restaurant. Now, modern and progressive are not two words that are typically associated with McDonald's. So I think this signals that he has some interest in, in doing things quite differently. And that's in the face of calls towards McDonald's returning to its roots, simplifying its menu, yeah. um, other things that other industry experts are, are suggesting. But he seems to be moving in a, in a different direction, trying to change the image, even some move towards customization, which at a fast food restaurant yeah. is extremely difficult to do. Well, and the interesting thing is is that you're seeing more almost niche burger joints popping up, uh, you know, all across the country right now. And, and when you think about the two of them, they are starkly different what McDonald's gives you and what a, you know, a specific like almost a burger joint that does that. There's a, you know, Five Guys burger, yep. or, you know, there's a variety of them that are out there. I know there's one in my neighborhood in in Abington called the Grub Bar, which, you know, is is a burger joint. So they're they're two totally different things. Yeah. And it's always going to be easier for those niche marketers, the, the niche restaurants, Five Guys, Smash Burger to do better because they're serving a narrower clientele. Yep. Yep. McDonald's as a mass brand has to keep an awful lot of us happy. 
and that's just a much harder job. They've obviously had a lot of uh, of negative publicity as well. I mean, the sales is one thing, but you know, there's a variety of stories about the product that they're serving and stuff like that. Has that brand been damaged to the point where? I mean, it's taken them a while just to get to this point, but are, are they still a ways off from being what we used to know as McDonald's is almost in some respects being a destination, you know, not so much just a second, an afterthought? I think the meaning of what McDonald's is is going to have to change. It's not going to be the old McDonald's. Their consumer tastes and preferences and the way that we eat out, the frequency with which we eat out has changed drastically yeah. over the 50 years that they've been in business. So they are looking at a new world. We'd like to get your comments as well. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Will this change that McDonald's is making and maybe more to come, especially if you're somebody that maybe has given up on McDonald's, will that change? Will you start to go there more often? 844-942-7866. I'd like to get your opinions right now. Give us a call about McDonald's. One of the things that interests me about this uh, policy around antibiotics is the customer perceptions of it directly and the effects that it will have. Mm. Pew recently came out with a study suggesting that 77% of Americans understood that the major problem here with antibiotics in chicken is that it can lead to antibiotic-resistant strains, yeah. which is really a, a broad public health issue. It has essentially no impact on the... Uh, health consequences for me as an individual who eats a chicken with right. antibiotics. Uh, and maybe Dr. Davison can, can clarify this, but that's my understanding of it. And I, I would guess that many consumers still just find some uneasiness in consuming chicken that has antibiotics, but it's not clear that it's a direct threat to them as an individual. Right. And I think we have to go back to the definition of antibiotic-free versus not using antibiotics. Yeah. Because it, we use the word antibiotic-free flocks. All chicken that goes to market is antibiotic-free. Mm -hmm. So there isn't residue in there. And that's one thing the listeners need to understand, that we check for residues. There's not residue. So there's not antibiotic physically in, in that meat product. Sure, yeah. So that's number one. And, so, and then number two, so we like to use the word... Um, those flocks that don't use antibiotics at all during the flock. So that's that's the termino terminology rather than antibiotic-free. One of, one of the things that we've been looking at and, and I, the FDA has been looking at and, and task force is really looking at the science of the issue of antibiotics and antibiotic resistance. Mm -hmm. And when we look, we have antibiotic resistance on the human side. We have it on the veterinary side. And so what the, these task force are really looking at is what's the science behind it? Yeah. Because there's really uh, no evidence that says if you have uh, resistant bacteria in a uh, particular meat product that if that person eats that meat product, then therefore they're going to get that resistant bacteria. So we don't know that link. And we really need to base this on science. Yeah. And we need to work together, and that's what we're doing, um, to work together on both sides because the issue affects both human medicine and veterinary medicine, and we work together to find out what the science is behind this and then put forward solutions to it. But again, the poultry industry is really out there being yeah. proactive. They've done this for many years, and uh, we'll look at the science based on that and, and make those decisions based on science and, and, and what we could do to reduce the use of antibiotics. The concept 
that I like to always put forward. People think we use a lot of antibiotics in poultry, and we don't. Yeah. We really don't use a lot of antibiotics. And we know if we do, and we get that resistance, when I really need to go out and treat a flock for a bacterial infection, if I don't have that antibiotic, we don't want to get there. We want to make sure I do have that antibiotic to treat that flock. So then in, in terms of, uh, of the relationship that McDonald's has with the, the suppliers that, that provide them the chicken, what changes within the, 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 the whole process and the fact that they've made this designation that we don't want to use this type of chicken anymore that, that is reliant on antibiotics? What, what changes from, let's say, a Tyson or, or a Purdue, or wherever they get their, their mm -hmm. chicken from? Is there something that changes specifically? Well, when in the poultry industry, what we like to do is prevent disease, whether yeah. it's a bacterial infection, whether it's a viral infection, whatever it is, prevent disease. So we want to make sure we have good biosecurity so things don't get dragged into flocks. We have good management of the birds. That means clean litter, clean yeah. ventilation, good water. Nutrition plays a, an important role. Good nutrition, genetics plays a role. All those aspects are already in place. Sure. So we, we have that, that concept of prevention of disease, and that goes along with what we're talking about today, to mm -hmm. make sure that bacteria don't get into these flock and, and we don't have uh, a problem. So there's no real major changes. Mm -hmm. um, but as I said, the industry is always proactive. If something happens, we look at it, determine scientifically, do we need to make a change? And yeah. I'm sure there may be changes coming along where we can do some things better. Um, but that's the way the industry works, to look at it, examine it, figure out what we need to do better. But the basic prevention is already there. We are joined here in the studio by uh, Dr. Cheryl Davison, who is an associate professor of avian medicine at Penn Vet's New Bolton Center, and also with us, Jason Reese, who's a visiting assistant professor of marketing here at the Wharton School. Uh, it's interesting because in terms of what they're trying to do now, Jason, and, and you know, they're, they're making this designation that they want to use this type of chicken, from a strictly marketing perspective, uh, McDonald's made a change recently, and uh, they brought back uh, some, uh, a product that they hadn't had for about a year or so. They started doing chicken tenders again, which just strictly from my perspective in my family, that made one member of my family happy because mm -hmm. my oldest daughter loved them. She hates the chicken nuggets. So, uh, you know, it seems like th that McDonald's in general realizes that they have to make changes and they have started to make changes you know, over the last few months in terms of reaching the consumer a little bit more, they obviously have a long way to go because of all of the different types of restaurant options. As you said, our, our dining out styles have, have drastically changed over the last several years, but they have a long way to go. Yeah, it's been a long road for them, and they've been innovating for a very long time, probably since the beginning. One of the major innovations uh, in recent years was the Angus Burger, which was yeah. It was thought going to be able to compete with chains like Smash Burger and others. Uh, I think they discontinued it within the last year. Chicken tenders seems promising. Chick-fil-A, the, ch the chicken-based chain, is growing. I think McDonald's now sells more chicken than beef. So mm. this certainly seems like a smart area in which to innovate. We don't know. We don't know until we really see what the consumer buys and it can take several years to figure that out. It takes several years for them to figure out how to how to get the right supply, how to get the right operations in place so that the end product that they're going to serve to the consumer can be assembled in whatever it is, 30 seconds, 15 seconds yeah. sometimes. Um, 
if, if the assembly of an item takes too long, it's just not going to work in the McDonald's operating system. Especially with the amount of people that they normally will run through a restaurant in, in the course of a given day. Yeah, exactly. And those consumers are not willing to wait. Consumers are willing to wait a little bit more at other chains, but McDonald's is still expected to be the fastest and the cheapest. And if you're working with those constraints, there's only so much you can do. Now, obviously, the, the food aspect of this is one thing, and the service is another, but the the appearance of their locations, which they did a massive overhaul on pretty much every, I think, McDonald's location was redone within the last, you know, about three or four years. Uh, that's a piece of the puzzle. It's not as big a piece, but it is a piece of the puzzle because they need to be considered, you know, an attractive option for people to, to go to, not just going through the drive through Yeah, even though I do think a majority of their business comes through the drive through uh, the inside has to change. Uh, people make inferences about the nature of the food that's there based on what it looks like. And yeah. if the place sort of feels clean, lively, fresh, modern, people will perceive the food to be somewhat more like that. Uh, your comments are welcome. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866 is the number. If you'd like to give us a call, we're talking with Dr. Cheryl Davison, who is an associate professor of avian medicine here at the uh, University of Pennsylvania's New Bolton Center, their Penn Vet New Bolton Center, and also with us, Jason Reese, who is a visiting assistant professor of marketing here at the Wharton School. I mentioned uh, earlier, Dr. Davidson, the, the, about the the designation that Mr. Easterbrook, the new CEO of McDonald's, calling himself an internal activist. I mean, it, from, a, from a business perspective, that, that's one thing. From a consumer's perspective, when you hear somebody that uh, that is running a major corporation – you know, that, that provides food as many people as they do. And it's in internal activists. What does that say to you? Well, I think he's in line with what the poultry industry does and, and um, making sure that we have a healthy and a safe food supply. So I think that's right in line with the philosophy of the poultry industry. And, and, and he's aligned himself with that, that aspect. One report I saw said uh, about 2 million people a year uh, have to deal with bacteria infections because uh, bacterial infections resistant to antibiotics. I mean, is that is that number pretty much the norm, or is that rising, or or what is it? Well, that's where these task forces that I mentioned before are going to come in and really look at that number, yeah. and look at the number and and on both sides, whether it's uh, the human side or whether it's the veterinary side. And, and piece out that number and say, where, where's the resistance coming from? What can we do? What's the science behind that particular number? A lot of this also, Jason, is the transparency that a lot of consumers want to have uh, when they're dealing with uh, any wide range of companies. And in some respects, making this statement and making this designation does fall into that category of transparency. We want to tell you exactly what we want to do, and, and that's part of the marketing uh, and trying to build out, build back up McDonald's again. Yeah, and that term transparency is one that has guided some of Easterbrook's actions at McDonald's. They've launched some videos that show things like how chicken McNuggets are made. Um, you can question whether that makes it more or less appealing to the consumer, but certainly some of the myths that out there that are out there can be dispelled by doing 
things like that. And just the fact that it's there can reassure customers that, well, if they're doing this kind of thing, maybe there isn't really all that much to hide. I think I don't think there are too many people that uh, that didn't see the the pink slime video from a few years back. And that and that really did that left a mark on, on a lot of people. Yeah, uh, disgust is a very strong emotion, and uh, images of that kind can can evoke disgust. And McDonald's wants to distance itself from those as much as it can. Being involved in the, in the poultry industry, and you see a, a video like that, what was your initial reaction, Doctor Davidson, when you saw something like that? Well, talking about the the poultry and all, and, and making nuggets and all the industry. Um, uh, so I invite your listeners to go to the National Chicken Council yeah. um, website because they'll they we we put out there. How is a chicken nugget made? Yeah. Um, and exactly, so there is transparency, so people know what's in their food and 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 uh, what they're actually eating. So we're very transparent about what's in in the food and and uh, welcome them to go to the uh, to that website. The, to the shame, I guess, is, is in some respects, is that uh, you know you part of this is a media push, um, but part of it is also people maybe not taking the time. To go to a site like that and and, and have that knowledge and, and <laughs> see how that process is all played out. Yeah. So what we're doing, so shows like this, or getting out to other um, avenues to to reach people in all different types of places, um, whether it's radio or print or wherever we can reach people to educate them about what we really truly do in the industry so we can educate them on what the reality is in the industry and that we are supplying uh, a safe and healthy food supply to you. Uh, obviously, the, you you uh, at uh, the New Bolton Center have to have a, a, a great working relationship with the companies like, like Tyson and, and Purdue uh, in terms of, of really developing the next line of how to develop uh, meat product and, and, and chickens, you know, going forward for the next 30, 40 years. We, we have a, a team of veterinarians at New Bolton Center, which are at the diagnostic lab. Companies will have their own veterinarians, but we have a group called the American Association of Avian Pathologists, which is a national organization. And we really do work together as a team. So we have all our expertise to uh, put together so when issues come up and, and we do need to move forward on whatever that issue is, that we, we put that all the expertise in a room and figure out how <laughs> we're going to move forward. So we've got a great team of poultry veterinarians throughout the United States working on all sorts of issues, not just this issue that we're talking about today. Jason, obviously this is still going to play out over the next few months, but with changes like this one and if Mr. Easterbrook you know, holds true to form and makes other changes – what do you see as the as the outcome for McDonald's? McDonald's is a huge brand and a strong brand, and there's no reason to think that it doesn't have a future. If I knew the formula for their success, <laughs> I would probably be closer to being in charge than I am right now. Um, on, on this particular issue, they are playing a little bit of catch-up. Yeah. Um, Chick-fil-A, Chipotle have had... Um, these antibiotic policies in place for some time, and they suggest that they've actually gone even further than McDonald's has. So they, they may be a little bit late to the game, but uh, steps in this direction seem to be clearly what they absolutely have to do. The menu innovation, keeping the service times down, um, that's a huge challenge, and that that's the part where he's really going to have to have a long-term win. And, and you know, it, it's it, it's interesting because as much as he can put policies in place, that part of it really does come down to 
the managers at all of the different locations and obviously the production of those burgers and, and the chicken tenders and chicken nuggets in order to make that process run seamlessly. Yeah, creating the innovations, trying them out in a huge number and variety of locations that they have and getting that feedback and tweaking it. It's a it's a major process and not a fast one. <laughs> There's the irony in that fast food where something is not not fast, and that's probably a good thing. Innovation is slow. The service has to be fast. Great to have you both back here in the studio. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.